This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Monday, 31st of October, 2022, and therefore happy Halloween to everyone out there. Um, not a very spooky market after Friday, very strong session. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment, especially the interesting uh, you know, adjustments to what's expected from the Fed heading into this week's FOMC meeting on Wednesday, a really important event risk this week. We need to jump over the commodity market because Ola, you're a busy man, and we know that you need to, to bail out of here for a, for an interview. So I'm going to get to you because there wasn't actually a really key development over the weekend, uh, and that is in the grain markets with uh, Russia wanting to suspend this uh, Ukraine grain deal. Tell us what the implications are for that and uh, you know what we're looking for around that that story. Well, it's um, the the whole story. Obviously, start off with the attack on the, on Russian uh, military ships in the in the Crimea area, uh, more than two hundred kilometers away from the the grain route, uh, that led uh, Russia to uh, to abandon the the deal. They've been talking about this deal for a while. They're not liking it, now wanting to get out, and uh, now they had the excuse once again using uh, the food uh, food crisis potential leverage against the world as the military efforts are fading badly. Uh, so we have a uh, we have higher prices this morning and wheat. We it's, it's worth noting it's only a two week high, so it's not a it's not a massive jump. And and we're also seeing flows. Turkey and the UN is uh, still trying to get the keep flows going. So uh, we probably haven't heard the 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 the, the final story of or the final uh, outcome of that story yet. Uh, it remains to see how Russia reacts to uh, to the continued flow we're seeing this morning. So we're up at uh, around six percent at this point. Um, I think most important is just to note that last week we had a quite a big jump in the speculative short in the wheat market and that's probably the main reason why we we had this uh, jump overnight uh, recently established shorts getting getting squeezed out so um so ukraine is obviously very important if if it is if if they are um being uh, barred from from exporting wheat uh, that basically means uh, cancellations of uh, multiple orders to uh, to uh, to supply uh, to uh, buyers around the world who are uh, continuing in continued need for, uh, for for wheat so um it's it's a tr- it's a trouble story but the one where we just have to wait and see what the uh, the final outcome will be yeah hard to believe that russia has any credible threats navy wise uh, given what could be mobilized against them but let's see how the the world response to uh, using food as leverage. Um, let's uh, jump to the China story because I think it's very interesting. Also, I'll, I'll make a small connection with the FX market. So we're seeing the dollar a bit mixed, and I'll get to that a bit later. But we're definitely seeing uh, in a very specific signal, and it's isolated. And that is a weak Chinese renminbi. It has to be, I imagine, the the reason behind what you're showing us on slide seven with the uh, with the copper price. It tried to get interesting last week with a little bit of a rally. Dipping back lower, uh, and this I think the CNH move has to, uh, together with some bad data as you mentioned, the official PMI is out overnight a bit weak. I guess there's just a lot of fears around China, and China is obviously the number one consumer in so many of these uh, areas. Yeah, and and we can make the link to oil markets as well because uh, oil has got plenty of star, plenty of demand to worries to to worry about. But uh, it is the continued weakness in Chinese data and the COVID policy that's uh, keeping prices, I'd say, under pressure at this point in time. So yeah, we got the copper drifting lower uh, once again this morning, as you can see on the on slide seven. We're still within the range, uh, but another failed attempt last week is, has led to some uh, some long liquidation once again. Uh, the market is really taking it on the chin. It's the iron ore market where we are back down. To 
to uh, to the lows that we saw in in a, a year ago, and uh, that is to do with steel production and, and steel uh, is obviously depending on the global appetite for for uh, for production, uh, and that's where we're seeing a slowdown right now. So iron ore is probably the, is the sector that's hit the been hit the hardest due to the slowdown in demand for steel. All right, now let's close out your comments on the commodity space with natural gas. I mean, uh, Europe is absolutely ridiculous. We're roasting <laughs> in, in uh, you know, relative terms to what was normal with uh, some lovely uh, warm African uh, Sahara winds blowing up here all the way up to northern Europe. It's been uh, almost as high as 20 degrees up here in Copenhagen, and so we're pushing into November almost. It's, it's almost ridiculous. But this is going to end at some point. But what's, what's the uh, focus here in natural gas? Well, two two things, as you mentioned, John, the the mild weather in Europe basically reducing demand for gas at a at a critical time. So the less gas we use now, the potential more gas we have available as we exit the winter season, which is good news for uh, for for the uh, building of stories next year. But uh, in the short term, uh, as we highlighted last week, we had a roll contra- rolling of the contract from the November to December. That meant the price went from 100 back up to 140. But as this warm weather continues, we could see the new front months of December drift lower back down towards that that hundred level as long as we continue to see these these weather developments. In the US, uh, slightly a different story. We've seen the gas price half uh, within, within the last two months. Uh, we, we're seeing it move back up again. Flows from LNG, so exports of LNG is starting to pick up. And uh, that's been been the main main story for the, uh, for the newfound support in the market, potentially dropping I would say uh, by more than it should have done in the first place, uh, but uh, we're back above six dollars. Demand remains uh, firm from an export perspective. Yeah, just spectacular the degree to which the U.S. is uh, skirting the worst of this energy crisis, really, with a natural gas price of of five dollars. It's just really incredible stuff, and that's the, of course, the the strength they have with their domestic production there. All right, thanks, Ola. Um, yeah, let's roll back to the equity market here, Peter, because I mean, I, I was just shaking my head as we worked into late Friday, just a blistering rally. Uh, that took us to new local highs. You can see on slide two, we're back to the sort of the 50% retracement of the whole sell-off. It's in some key areas in terms of moving averages, et cetera. And this, and I'll get to this in a moment after your comments, despite the fact that the nominal driver here had been sort of this hope that the Fed is set for this dovish shift this week. We even saw Nick Timorous out with an article uh, which appeared to be, appeared to be the Fed uh, pushing back against that, or he's pushing back against that. From an original article that encouraged the whole view in the first place, it's just it's almost ridiculous. Uh, I'll, I'll go through a little bit of it, but I want, I want your impression as well after this uh, zany session. Yeah, I was a bit surprised about the session we saw. It was a, a new closing high for the cycle uh, that started in um, you know in the first week of October when we bought them out, in, at least in terms of closing prices. And um, it has been a quite a dramatic week if you see on the on the theme baskets. It's um, you know financial trading firms is not normal that we see them up here, but they had a seven percent gain for the week. Uh, green transformation, defense, renewable energy, strong strong themes, China and the emerging markets, definitely the loser of the week. We covered that extensively, I think, last week was that um, fallout from the leadership shuffle in um, in China and the, the speculation that it will be potentially bad for the private sector and profit generation for that sector. Um, I, I don't know what to say, John. I mean, I, I don't think that the medium-term outlook has really maturely uh, changed. There is there is in most likelihood a Fed that is moving. I think the Fed is moving to some extent by first half of next year, moving to sort of a, a pause or stance to see what is the impact because we have to acknowledge that monetary policy comes with a lack into the into the general economy. But if anything, I think the nominal GDP growth figures we got last week was um, was, was pointing to a very strong nominal economy. So I, I think they will pause and then they will figure out we probably need to do a little bit more. 
Yeah, I think that's the communica- communication task they're really struggling with here because you have, I think they probably did have an article or, or they encouraging the market's view that we are going to see this uh, downshift in terms of the pace of hiking, et cetera. And then I think when they saw the scale of the market response, that probably spooked them a bit. And then they sent Tim Rouse out with another article saying higher for longer. I think the idea there is they're trying to manage forward expectations in a way. It says, look, we're just going to pause to see how things are going. It doesn't mean we're going to start cutting rates by you know later mm-hmm. next year. Uh, it's just a very delicate and very difficult uh, communication task. And I think what leads me to believe is they're going to default a little bit towards being very non-committal and wanting to provide as little forward guidance as possible because it just gets them into so much trouble. But it, but what happens as well right now is that you see the the, the financial conditions are, are, are easing because yeah. of this communication. So as you said, it's very delicate, right? Because that will just add to, yeah, exactly. to the inflationary pressure. And add to the risk, though, if, they, if the, uh, the economy proves more resilient, if inflation proves higher than they anticipated, then we have to double down mm. once again. And just to sort of illustrate this a little bit, on slide three, I, I popped in that headline from the Wall Street Journal of that key Tim Rouse article that was out this weekend. Cash-rich consumers could mean higher interest rates for longer. Um, the idea that they have so much in their savings and that mortgages uh, don't need, don't at all hit folks that are uh, not uh, taking out a new mortgage on a new house, uh, so that doesn't matter for that cohort, etc. So you've seen uh, if if you look at the two uh, the chart there, what I'm showing there is the March uh, next year euro dollar, which is round pricing around the peak there of around five percent in Fed funds rate. And then further forward, the March 2024, which, as you can see, rallied very steeply uh, last week, actually starting from the week prior, suggesting the Fed will be strongly into rate easing mode by that time frame. And I think maybe the scale of that reaction, which was off of the the downshift article and maybe the market's anticipation that the Fed is going to overdo things, whatever, uh, I think that's the reason they're. That, that that blue line, so the, the further out rallying so much is, is what they weren't concerned about uh, providing easing of financial conditions uh, excessively. So yeah, it's just a really, like we said, delicate task is going to be a very interesting event risk with all this uh, craziness around how these expectations have shifted and how the narrative has, has jumped around as well. Uh, slide four, very briefly, I already highlighted it. The uh, renminbi really is a big focus here. So that dollar C&H and, and dollar C&Y is ripping back towards the highs there. They, they're you know, intervening verbally at times uh, against this move, but uh, with weak data out overnight, the weak PMIs, et cetera, it really is a big focus. The dollar, I think, doing reasonably well, given how strong sentiment was on Friday. And then this week with the FOMC, obviously the massive dollar focus there. We had the RBA up tonight. I'll preview that a little bit later on, but it's also the Bank of England and Sterling, which I think is just, I've been really surprised at the scale of strength here. Uh, this could hurt, uh, hold short term, but I think medium term, we're going to be working into the UK being in the vanguard of those economies that is rolling over badly in terms of, of real GDP. All right, Peter, last week was a blockbuster in terms of earnings. It's not exactly going away. I see lots of blue names here on your slide nine. Uh, earnings overview this week. What do you want to pull out for folks that are looking at the week ahead uh, in terms of the earnings reports? Yeah, the the general takeaway here is that we're moving away from from the very intense technology and mega caps focus we had last week, especially with the U.S. focus as well. As you can see on the updated uh, quarterly earnings per share, quote unquote growth chart I have on the right hand side here on slide nine, you can see that you know all major equity markets are, are posting uh, a decline in earnings uh, compared to Q2. Maybe not that big a surprise given the uh, rising input prices. So S&P 500 right now is looking the best. It's also where we have the biggest sample size so again it's still early days china and europe look uh look the weakest and um, and also nasdaq 100 is not looking particularly well if you look at today 
it's NXP semiconductors and global payments. So pay, global payments, of course, is in the payments basket, which has been one of the worst performer, uh, performing segments of the equity market over the past year. And NXP semiconductors has a, a sizable market share in the global car industry. So the, uh, the recent uh, production cut figures from, uh, from Volkswagen obviously is not a, a good uh, segue in for their uh, Q3 earnings uh, season report, but also the, the outlook. And then I think more, tomorrow is probably a more and more important Earnings release. So we have Toyota, the world's largest uh, manufacturer of cars. We have uh, British Petroleum reporting, and we have AMD on semiconductors. I expect more um, more headwinds uh, given what we have seen from from Intel and, and other semiconductors. With the caveat, of course, that AMD is doing a bit relatively better than than Intel because of some of the recent product launches. And then still a little bit of the technology consumer uh, bend in the U.S. with Airbnb in the travel segment leisure. Uh, so if the U.S. consumer is as cash-rich uh, cash as this Wall Street Journal uh, article suggests, um, and also the numbers we've got from Delta Airlines, etc., American Airlines suggests that the uh, the U.S. consumer is actually quite robust. So maybe maybe a strong report um, for Airbnb tomorrow, and then Uber as well. Really, a lot of pressure on that business to deliver a break even, and they recently lost a pretty significant court case where there is such an immense pressure on Uber to declassify their their contractors uh, from a contractor to an employee and and then you know the thinking is that they will push forward in time when this company is able to actually break even uh, on um, you know, on operating profits if, if ever um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go to the uh, economic calendar so we have a lot going on this week to say the least uh, slide 10 here's the overview uh, four central banks meeting, RBA up tonight. They're only expected to go 25 basis points this time due to the cautious wording in the prior statement when they're really concerned about the state of uh, or the impact of their tightening cycle thus far on uh, consumption and especially mortgage payments. Uh, for goodness sake, we're not even to 3% yet and they're waxing this cautious, but they can take a more sedate pace because of the monthly meetings and, of uh, course, correct further out, of course, if there's a, a bigger problem with inflation. FOMC, we've kind of previewed that and we'll be previewing that as, as well tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, and then the the Bank of England is a really big one up on Thursday. 75 basis point hike expected to get the rate to 3%. You know, given we have the sterling strength here, but uh, I think, uh, you know, based on previous behavior, we're going to have a, a likely bad communication from Governor Bailey. Uh, that seems to be his style. And we have to have the Bank of England at some point concerned about the scale of austerity that is coming from the government and what that will impact or how that will impact GDP on top of the uh, cost of living hikes uh, on uh, that are in the bag already and slowing this economy. So uh, very interesting there to see if that's a pivot point for this strong sterling. Euro sterling at very interesting levels below 86 uh, as we are heading into this uh, meeting later this week. Norris Bank, 25 basis points expected. They've been very sluggish with their hike cycle and even have talked about nearing the end of it, uh, I would say somewhat prematurely in previous communications. So that's an interesting one. And then like, plenty of uh, Economic data peppered throughout the week. We have the flash CPI out of the Eurozone today and, and Q3 GDP estimate as well from the Eurozone. The last regional manufacturing survey, the Chicago PMI ahead of tomorrow's ISM manufacturing. And the big ones are ISM services on Thursday out of the U.S. and especially that jobs report on Friday with a non-farm payrolls change, unemployment rate, and average hourly earnings. Are we getting a sense of any loosening up of the slack in the jobs market? There's been no signs of that at all. Uh, so far, it is a lagging indicator, but it's certainly one that could risk driving inflation if these uh, earnings continue to rise uh, at a rapid pace. We'll have to keep an eye on all these uh, bits and pieces uh, throughout the week. There's plenty going on, so stay careful out there, and we'll be back tomorrow with the next 
Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.